And welcome back to Operation Opera in the age of COVID. Elisa and I had a chance to chat with audio engineer and dear friend and wonderful human Danielle Adams. And we talked all about building a home studio and what you need as a classical singer versus, you know, other kinds of audio and different mics to use and all kinds of great nerdy stuff. Enjoy. Okay. Well, so as a little bit of an intro, so Danielle and I met, gosh, when did we meet? Five, six years ago? So long ago. I don't oh, remember. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> it was a while ago. And, um, and Danielle is an amazing audio engineer, and she works now on Skywalker Ranch at Lucas okay. Sound and does all kinds of cool stuff there that you probably can't talk about, right? <laughs> True. I can't. Yeah, but it's really cool. <laughs> Top secret. So beautiful. Yeah, we can, we can trust that it's really cool. Yeah. And... Um, and Elisa is my my fellow opera singer friend. Partner what our partner in crime? Yes, exactly. We do concerts, you know, when people aren't afraid of dying, and <laughs> virtual concerts now. Yeah, virtual concerts. <laughs> Ooh, oh my god, we haven't done that yet. We should. We, we haven't. Um, Let's do it, Rachel. Yeah, I'm a little afraid of that. I'm not gonna lie. Let's pull out, pull out the Florian duets from Paris. Oh yeah, you don't think so, this. Danny? You think you think we shouldn't be afraid of it? No, I don't. I mean, there's actually been for the last like pre-COVID, there was kind of um, I I was seeing a lot of like virtual concerts that were like VR concerts where you put on a whole headset and you're actually at the concert and experiencing the concert in your headset and your you know headgear. Wow. And it it can be a great thing because you think about people who are handicapped or like have anxiety or, or things like that. Like they can actually way, yeah. be at a concert and experience those kind of things. Granted, it's not in the actual venue, but it's kind of a nice way to bring people together. And you can actually, with VR, have your friends go to the concert with you, even if they don't even live in your same country. So it's kind Sounds of a great cool technology that's being developed. And yeah, I don't know. How, wow. how will we do that? That sounds expensive. <laughs> I don't know. I've never actually done anything like that. My younger brother has actually attended concerts because he loves his VR system. And he's like a big techno EDM guy. So he, he likes to go and, and there's a lot of EDM concerts that way because it's a lot easier to stream digital music. But. Sorry, what is EDM? Uh, electronic dance music. Ah, thump, thump. gotcha. I figured yeah. it was electronic something, yeah. Neither yeah, I did experience um, Steve Martin and his bluegrass <laughs> band. They did a virtual, like an uh, like a VR concert in this, like I think it was like some church, like some very reverberant um, hall, and it was beautiful. It was like actually amazing because if you walked around, you would get different perspectives and different reflections depending on where how, you would walk. How do they do that? Wow, a lot of math. <laughs> a lot of math. Yeah. Wow. Math so. is hard. But I have not I have not done any of that engineering. I've only experienced it. So huh. but it's it's a cool thing to think about. Well, I know a few years ago I saw this thing. You know how you have well, maybe you don't, but I have these things in my inbox that stay in there for like years because I'm like, oh man, someday I'm gonna look at this cool thing and I'm gonna experience it or you know, whatever, read about <laughs> it. Like years. And the one that was in there was the hologram concert experience of Maria Callas. 
they took her like i don't know how they i don't know what they did but you could attend a concert of hers by watching this hologram of her and i thought man i want to do that because she was it was it like virtual reality i'm not sure um but it sounded really cool (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it's like is that something we could do could we kind of like you know speaking of like Skywalker like could we sort of you know a new hope it and like project (laughs) someone from a little r2d2 machine onto the wall and like have a concert I mean anything's possible right I mean I don't know I've never seen it but I'm sure I mean they said they had Tupac at Coachella right with a hologram or whatever oh there you go I didn't I wasn't there I didn't experience that I heard about it so I don't know wow I did something uh for I want to say it was Easter. My, my family did like an Easter Zoom meeting and we were all, each family was to bring a musical number. And uh, I did a very low tech, pretty easy to use. Can't remember the name of the app now, but my oldest sister wanted to do a duet. She actually found, I want to say it was Sasson, but I can't remember, but it was a sacred duet. And uh, yeah, it was actually not too hard. I recorded my part. Well, she recorded, she had her son do the piano part, the accompaniment. First. And then she did her part. Yeah. And then I just sang along and I was listening and singing along. And then it all kind of, it all kind of came together pretty well, actually. Yeah. And you know, that's actually pretty common with um, studio recordings. Oftentimes they're not in the same room and oftentimes they're not even in the same studio. So let me ask you, how does that work? Because I, my sister actually ended up using earbuds and like the microphone was really close to her mouth and I felt like that was the one thing I would change if I could because I just yeah. used the the microphone on the phone and I felt like it actually did a great job yeah. um and but then they were different right because she had the earbud mic and I had the mic that was probably like I don't know 18 inches away from my mouth yeah and so absolutely. yeah yeah, I mean, there's different, like, different microphones and different setups for different things, obviously. So in a home setup, there's a lot of people that are asking a lot about that just because we're at home now. Um, yeah. And it, it can be tricky. It's funny because, like, hearing, um, I work in film predominantly, film audio, and we do a lot of ADR, which is actors who are replacing their lines that were shot either on set or VO, which is, like, animation. So people are recording their animation lines and then giving it to us. And a lot of it's at home now. There are some that are still being shot in the studio, um, but some are at home for actors who don't feel comfortable. Um, and you can hear the difference, unfortunately, like oftentimes. And sometimes it's pretty convincing, but sometimes it's just like you can hear the closet almost and you can hear that they're in their, you know, kitchen or something. You know what I mean? It's just like you can hear that it just doesn't sound professional. Um, but there are different tricks. And I think the, the biggest thing to take away from in in home recordings is it's all trial and error it's kind of like what you were mentioning like it sounded like her phone was or her microphone was really close proximity and so you're getting that kind of chest bassy sound that comes from the proximity effect um typically for any microphone that would be a cardioid pattern um you wouldn't want to be anywhere within like four to six inches of the microphone um it's a little bit of a balancing game because if you're too far if I were to back up over here, then you're getting more of my room. And this is a pretty dead room. So you're not gonna hear as much reflection. But the further away that I go, the more muffled I become. That's just basic physics. Um, 
but if I were to get really close up in the microphone, you're going to hear a lot more of that bass, a lot more of that muffled sound. Like the, the breathing, you know? And yeah, yeah, more mouth noises and breathing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you can actually, if you're using an omni pattern, which is meaning that you're getting microphone pickup from um, a 180 degree pickup pattern, you can actually get really close to that microphone because you're not, the only source of audio is not coming from one source. So you're not going to get that proximity effect coming in on a microphone that's an omni pattern. Um, but what was the other one you mentioned? Use an omni pattern. What's that? What was the first microphone type you Cardioid. mentioned? Cardioid. That's the most typical. That's just sort of like if you were to look at it online, uh, like a, a picture of it, it kind of just looks like a sort of like a half circle. Um, and that just means that it's picking that's up the, the pattern, pattern that's you know, pretty much in front of you. There's hyperparticle, which is very, yeah, Rachel's, I actually don't know what your setting is. Some microphones like that can be omni, some of them can be cardioid, some can be mid-field, mid-side field, you know, so. Just keep staring at it. I would guess you have a it's cardioid. It's got a picture of a circle. <laughs> so. Yes, it might be pretty omni, true. I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, the, the other setting is like two circles that are kind of like half over each other, sort of like the Olympic symbol. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the part of the Olympic symbol. Yeah, you're you're a cardioid. <laughs> By technical definitions, um, <laughs> such things. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, well, and it's interesting. I have a I have a shotgun mic that I bought many years mm -hmm. ago. It's just an Audio Technica. It's like you know the poor man's version of like a super super fancy one. And yeah. Yeah but it works, you know, pretty much identically, um, except to probably a very, very well-trained ear. Mm -hmm. And I love using the shotgun for, for voiceover just because it doesn't pick up anything else but you. Yes. But it's really important to keep, like right now you're hearing my plosives a little bit, right? Um, but if I'm back a little bit further, you are getting a little more of the room. But with the shotgun, what I like is that, you know, when you keep that you know, hand width apart, like a stretch from your pinky to your thumb, that's like the perfect amount of space and it doesn't have any of the, you know, that other stuff. But, but you can't use, you can't use a shotgun for, for seeing. Yeah, you probably wouldn't want to. You'd want something that's more of a large diaphragm. So that's kind of like your U87s and, and there are so many microphones that you can use, not just that. Um, and going into microphones, there's a company, I don't have any sponsorship with them, I'm not plugging them, but they're a company called Slate and they actually, they have reversed engineered a lot of microphones that are the high end studio microphones. Um, and what they do is like, they have like one hardware microphone and then they have different, like they have different virtual, um, sort of like different um, way, like microphone pre's and patterns and things like that to help mimic the, the the studio microphones that you can use. So they actually have some like U87s that have been reverse engineered that you could use that's a cheaper version for those who are trying to look for sort of semi-professional home setups that, you know, aren't going to break the bank. So what's um, somewhat cheaper? Can you give us a little price range on that? Um, I'm not sure what theirs, their, their microphones are going to be under a thousand and they're going to be, um, girl, yeah. you have no idea. That's like, <laughs> that's like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think they're probably like 800 and then you can buy like all of the virtual, but the thing you think about though, is that these microphones, it's, you're buying one microphone. I think it's around, I think 800. 
Um, and then you can buy all the virtual packs for way cheaper because they're just ones and zeros. Um, and so you're just buying that intellectual property. Um, what are the and virtual those packs? Are much cheaper. The virtual packs. So basically, you buy. It would kind of almost look like what you you're using right now. It's like a metal, like kind of looks like a U87 type microphone. And then when you have these virtual packs, they actually you upload virtually different microphones to use that mimic um, oh. the microphones that the studios would use. So even though you're paying 800, um, you can buy. I mean, unlimited as many as they put out microphones for a lot cheaper. Interesting. Hmm. But then when you do that, since it's, it, since it is digital, um, does it change? Like, how does that affect compression? Does it affect compression? Doesn't, it doesn't affect compression. No, okay. that would be something else. Yeah. But they do have microphone pre's that are digital as well that mimic, you know, standard, like studio standard microphone preamps um, that, and those ones you would want to use for um, they have like tube preamps that they mimic. So it gives you more of like a saturated, more like- Much warmer. You know, yeah, much warmer sound, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a nice alternative, but you also don't have to do that. You know, like there are so many other microphones that you can buy or secondhand microphones that you can buy um, that work well too. But if you're gonna do something that's singing related, as long as you're not doing some like hard rock and roll screaming in the mic, I would say, you know, a condenser, large diaphragm microphone is what you need. Yeah. Cool, cool. <laughs> so how does one create the space that sounds professional at home? So what you don't want is you don't want, so I know a lot of people who use their closets to record in, and that's a great way to help deaden the space. But what problem you run into with singing is that it can be too dead and it can sound real muffled and it can sound, um, you can get a lot of bassy sound in your recording. Um, Where does the so bass sound come from? Like, what does that mean? So when you work with audio, um, you, so there's different frequencies that have different directionality. So higher frequencies are a lot more directional that's why like if you have like a really high pitched sound, you can pretty much easily locate it. Whereas mm -hmm. if you hear a really low rumble, it's kind of hard to place where that sound is coming from because it kind of spreads out a little more widely. Um, and the same thing is kind of like when you're in a closet or somewhere that's like really, you know, dead, you're, the highs are the things that are getting absorbed and the lows are kind of because they're being spread out more. They're, excuse me, they're a lot more, they're a lot harder to absorb. And so you're going to get a lot more of that low end. Um, you do want it to be dead. You don't want it to be a super lively room because if you have a lot of reverb in your recording, it's going to be a lot harder to process things in the mix. It's going to be a lot harder to add different like compressions and EQ and your own reverb on top of that. And it kind of makes for a lot more amateur sounding recording, um, mm. especially if it's just like your bedroom or your kitchen. Um, things don't reflect the way that you might want. Um, so you want something that's dead, allowing you to make different, you know, choices in your mix after the fact. Um, but you don't want it so dead. So something like a bedroom that has drapes, you could even like, you know, put up a mattress behind you. Um, that kind of stuff helps. So you have a little bit of reflection, but you don't want hard surfaces that are directly behind you. 
You don't want the microphone in the middle of the room. You want it kind of further to one side and then the, you know, the microphone facing the further side um, away. So you don't want to be like in the corner of your room, you know, recording. Because that creates like a shell as well, right? Yeah, it creates, uh, it can create standing waves. It can create things like that, that just like different reflections that are not positive for your recording. So, yeah. Interesting. So you, even though you need it to be somewhat dead, you have to have a little bit of space for the voice to breathe. Exactly, exactly. For the sound to actually kind of have, have some, some room. Yes. Exactly. Something in a closet sounds horrible. It is horrible. <laughs> and that's part of it too. I mean, there's a huge part of not getting the performance that you want because you're not in a space that you're comfortable in. Yeah. It's a huge <laughs> challenge. You're like standing on shoes. VR, and, man. Like we should put on yeah. VR things and then like imagine ourselves at La Scala and just la. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you have like a smaller to medium sized room, and if you just, like I said, trial and error, if you're singing full volume and you record yourself and you're like, wow, I get a lot of reverb, try putting up some drapes, try putting up some, you know, maybe blankets on your walls and behind your head. Behind your head is a huge uh, place where you can get some reflections as well. So maybe like, you know, they actually make some different sort of like half circle type absorption, little mm. mini vocal booths that you can buy as well that help. Um, Do you but I've had friends look like Queen Elizabeth. What's like, that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of look like Queen Elizabeth. I was gonna say, uh, what about like a collar? like a bouffant wig? Would that yes. also serve the purpose? You had, yes, like, Marge you Simpson. <laughs> That's what we're going for. <laughs> you just walk in there, they're like, just let me put this on. Hold on. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> if. If I have a small space, because I'm going to be selfish and talk about the space that I have right now. Um, yeah. If I have a small space, but it has really tall ceilings, like mm -hmm. so that it has a little bit of give in the space and room for the voice to go. Is but, this a powder room? Uh, it's not a powder room. <laughs> it's actually my hall closet, believe it or not. Oh, it is a closet. I mean, it is a closet, closet, but I, we just talked about that. And you we were did, like, no. But it's, no, but it's, um, but it's, but again, it's very tall. And so it has a nice sound in there. Like it doesn't, it doesn't um, take very long for for the voice to die. No, I've gone in there several times to sing because I'm like, oh, this is I like, yeah, this works, you know. Like, but but privacy. I don't know if it works. And yeah, also privacy. It's like they won't find me in here <laughs> <laughs> except for you're making tons of noise. Yeah, and there's yes, they also will. That. That's true. <laughs> if I hold really still. Maybe. <laughs> They won't know where the sound is coming from. That's right. That's right. Um, but I guess my question is, what is the, um, how do you define reflection? And how do you know uh, how much there is or when it's too much? And So that. that's going to be trial and error on your end. Um, if you wanted to send me a schematic of your room, I could literally calculate where different frequencies oh. are going to hit. Oh, I um, love that. That's so nerdy and awesome. <laughs> that was really nerdy. That's oh, great. I love it. But for the average home recordist, uh, it's going to be trial and error. If you're sounding like you're like, wow, I'm getting some weird sounding reflections in my recording, try putting up blankets above your head if your ceiling is too high because you might have a standing wave, you know, at a weird place in your room. Mm. Will, will you explain a standing wave? A standing wave? Yeah, sure. So a standing wave, um, 
basically what that is is you've got a frequency that is your source being reflected against the wall and it's hitting the same uh frequency back and it's it's negatively impacting it it's basically having it's hitting it and it's creating like a vertical um sort of frequency wave and that causes weird reflections so yeah so it's literally standing it's vertical the wave. yeah okay yeah this is most it's like a tsunami no, yeah, and, exactly. It's kind of just <laughs> it is. Our voices are often compared to tsunamis. But you know, not all standing waves are bad. Standing waves are actually what causes a flute to sound like a flute and a clarinet to sound like a clarinet. You know, it's just in your recording, you don't want it to. You don't want it to occur. You don't want to sound like a clarinet. <laughs> exactly. That's true. You don't want things to sound like what you don't want them to sound like. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're oh, interesting. I've been listening to some samples. Speaking of that, there are so many wretched samples in the world. Yeah. Are you like talking about like backing tracks or what? I'm you talking like about samples? like it's like um like a trombone, and I'm like, yeah, no, that's not a oh, trombone. Oh, just oh, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And like you hear it, it's like <laughs> like no, that's not that's not. I do a better trombone. Like, <laughs> I I I had an experience yeah, right? just the other day, actually with uh someone someone who wanted to connect with me on linkedin and he was introducing like some uh yeah it was basically like samples but like but they were backing tracks for a bunch of different genres but i checked out the classical first and i just didn't get any farther than the first one because i was like wow this just doesn't sound like real instruments at all it was oh divine redeemer and it was it just sounded like like electronic music you know and i was like hmm Certainly, we can do better than this. I don't know. <laughs> well, you, they can and they have. <laughs> they, right? They have. Like, there's, there are a lot of samples, you know, that I've heard where I'm like, oh, wow, it's scary how real that sounds. Uh, because it's like, oh, man, nobody's going to have a job. Because uh, it's fake? How do they do those? Uh, they basically, so they're like, the, there's different contact instruments. That's like, um, they actually literally play every single instrument note like um, a library like a live yeah they record it all and then they program it to have like different you know vibrato and tremolo and different things like depending on the instrument um mm. and in different spaces and the d- different wetnesses so of reverb so they'll kind of deaden the room and widen the room widen the room so yeah they're some of the more, more expensive ones they are extremely thorough in what they record and how they design the, the sample Wow. Wetnesses. I've never heard that before. Wetness, that's how you describe how live the room is. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wetness. I like it. I'm going to use that from now on. Many people (laughs) will be educated, I think, because I've never heard anyone say that except for you. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that kind of goes hand in hand with um, digital reverbs. So if somebody says, I want a little, I want you to add wet. Yeah. Yeah, wetness to it. Then let's um, increase the wetness here. Okay, <laughs> excellent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, it has a new me- another meaning for mothers, huh, Rachel? Sure does. With diapers sure and things. Sure does. <laughs> sure you does. don't want to increase the wetness, but thank you. No. Well, you know, you want them to be drinking enough and eating enough. So. Right. Diapers fine, but the sheets and otherwise, yeah. yeah keep it's always dry. It's just always when you start to change them that that the wetness becomes a problem. Yeah, those baby you know, boys. It's a certain kind of freedom. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, that breeze. It's a little yes, chilly. And, exactly. <laughs> anyway. Waterfall. 
nothing to do <laughs> with sound recording, as it turns out. Although wetness, that was yes, the, that's true. Yeah. That's how we got there. That's how we got there. You so, don't want too much wetness, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so I wondered if you could describe a little bit. So going back a little bit to that, what we were talking about, how you can tell when you hear something if it's more amateur, if it's if it sounds more professional. And I guess my question is, how, how do you know when your stems are in good shape? Like stems? That's what you- uh, Which stems? Like vocal stems, like when you're sending them in. Oh, uh-huh. Um, well, first and foremost, so like if I were to receive music uh, to mix, the things that I would be hoping, the, the main thing that I worry about is, is there too much reverb on your track? And because then that limits my capability of processing things. It should and, probably be just sent in flat, right? Uh, yeah, but I mean, as far as like the reverb of the room. You know oh, I, mean? I see if what you're saying. Sure. Room and it's super reflective. I'm kind of like, well, my hands are a little bit tied. And, and you know, we do have certain, like with um, uh, Isotope RX, we can kind of take some of the reverb out, but it's just never as good as if you just don't record the reverb in there. Um, and how clean is it? I want to make sure that there's not a lot of room noise and a lot of hum from different equipment because I'm going to have to process that out and sometimes you're a little limited in what you can take out. Um, and then I want to make sure you're not clipping. I want to make sure there's not digital clipping. So if you're recording and you get really loud, I want to make sure that it doesn't get, you don't get digital clipping because I can't fix that at that point. Yeah. Um, is that like the, what do you call that? Um, is that also a vertical line when it goes because you've <laughs> you've <laughs> you've sung too intensely, too high? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're in that's the they always, That's yeah. That's why they always have you're like, all right, go to the go to the flashiest part of the song, and then what you think is the flashiest sometimes isn't actually. Yeah. Like at least, it's especially for me and my wave. voice, like very often, <laughs> very often my my more intense stuff is actually sort of in the middle high, not in the high high. And yep. so the middle high stuff will like peak and then I just get mad. <laughs> well, and that's like, I think that most people should not be afraid to record with a limiter or a light compressor that can really help save you. Yeah. You get loud. But unfortunately, yeah. like with opera, especially if you put any kind of compression on the voice and especially if they're going to be mixing you, like when you're recording uh, for film or TV and they're putting you in with another, with other, you know, choir members or whatever, they need to have the most flexibility possible. And so like you want them to be able to, to make those calls about compression and make those calls, you know, and it's a little scary because it's like, here's me naked, you know, like yeah, here's yeah, the voice. Absolutely. Like, Well, that's why if you, if you're going to compress, you have to do it very, very lightly. Um, and basically I, I, I kind of hesitate, hesitate to say compressor. I like to use the term limiter because a limiter is a very, very, very light compressor. Um, and basically all that that is protecting is that you don't hit your ceiling. It's not actually processing the overall RMS, like the overall average of what you're singing. It's just taking off those peaks that when you do sing the Valkyrie, you know, you're not hitting yeah. the ceiling and then I can't use that stuff. <laughs> I can't get that, you know, I can't, I, you know, once you clip it's game over, I can't fix it. Um, yeah. And so all that would be doing is just, if you were to hit that really loud part, that's like a couple seconds, um, it's just gonna like, just gonna duck it down a little bit and it's not gonna cause 
anybody in post-production any trouble. They're not going to be like, oh, well, I can't work with this. Like it's, they probably will be very grateful because <laughs> okay. now they don't have a clipped signal. You know, they don't have a clipped audio track. Um, but yeah, those are kind of like my main things that I look for is, you know, and I don't expect when I get audio, especially for a vocal, I don't expect things to be exactly at, you know, minus 18 dBFS the whole time. I want dynamics. I want there to be variable with volume and, and frequency, but I just want things to be recorded at a gain that is manageable um, so that we have that flexibility. We don't box ourselves in. Yeah. Hey, Rachel, will you, um, for our listeners at home who don't know what stems are, will you talk about that for a second? Because you well, sound real expert when you start I, talking about stems. <laughs> <laughs> I sound that way, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> I noticed yeah. you kind of snuck that by. I was like, Rachel? No, no it's, uh, it's just like the line that you record. Like it's your, it's when you, when you make a recording and it's the little bit of, I'm making a visual, which doesn't help our listeners. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the wave that you record of your voice and you send and however many you make, like however many they need, like, like, let's say I have to record three part harmony. And so I record each part until I'm satisfied. And then I, I send them in. So I mean, I, I think that's what so it's it is. like a single track is what you're saying. Like when things are divided out into, okay. Yeah. So a stem is, um, it is one audio type. So in film, for example, we would have different stems for, you'd have a dialogue stem, a music stem, an effect stem. There are different categories. So when Rachel would be sending her stem in, if she, like she said, had three parts of, you know, harmonies and all different you know, audio files of her voice, she would compile those three into one stem to send. So she's not sending multiple audio files. She's sending ah. one file that's compiled into one. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Thank you. So <laughs> that we don't overwhelm, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> Much easier to work with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's not as many. Nice. Yeah. I think, Danielle, good job. You made that much more clear than, in it's fact, you may have been the correct definition. You said it right. You said it right. Yeah, kind of. I put it into a film, a film way. It's easier yeah. to kind of. There we, we go. There we go. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was reading up the other day about um, home studio stuff. And one of the things that I read was to invest in ear training software so that you can sort of help your body and your ear and your self just know what what you actually should be going for absolutely yeah. um and i thought that was interesting but i guess i wondered like we already as opera singers have pretty crazy sensitive ears like um right and i mean you're a classical musician you know you know what that's you know going into the audio world from being a classical yeah. pianist like it's you hear every little nuance right yeah. so what is the difference and is it is it kind of like now i know where the act one break is in every single movie that i watch and and am i going to feel that way about everything that i hear in audio too you know, i mean like yes I and no one of the things that a lot of mixers do, especially when they go into different spaces, different studios, is they'll actually pull up something that they've mixed 
in the room so that they can kind of recalibrate themselves to that room. And the same can be said of like, you know, training your ears to listen to a certain type of genre or mixing style or music style so that you can kind of get a, a grasp on or just a refresher on like what you're listening for, what you're doing. Um, and like you said, it can be kind of like peeling back the magic for some people. They're like, now I'm going to be listening for every drum and cymbal, but it's kind of good to have that sort of overall perspective um, so that you can be a better musician. You can be mm -hmm. listening for things. And I mean, composers, they have to listen to everything. And, you know, vocalists don't necessarily need to, but knowing how your vocals impact the music that you're recording to and ultimately make for a better musical track. No, it totally makes sense. It's interesting because I, I feel that way inherently about singing Wagner because when you sing Wagner as a vocalist, like you may be the soprano or, you know, in my case, the mezzo, but like you are one of many, <laughs> like your line is meant to be embedded in this larger fabric. And, and there is a certain kind of, I guess it, it's kind of a humbling thing, you know, versus when you sing like Belcanto where it's like, and here is the voice up on the pedestal. You know, it's just a very, it's just a very different, different kind of experience. So I guess this sort of feeds into that, like in a, in a much more practical way, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. So what else did I want to talk about? <laughs> um, so you talked about large diaphragm condenser mics, right? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the U87, which I got, by the way. You I did. Got, Congratulations. They're yeah. great microphones. I have to whisper so my husband doesn't hear me. <laughs> no. Naughty, naughty. No, no, no. It'll be fine. We'll, 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 we'll work through it. It'll be okay. Um, <laughs> that's why when she said under a thousand and I was like, you were like, oh, girl. Because you know you've been in the market. Oh, I see. I have been in the market for this for this particular mic for for a while. I've been interested in it, and and I've wanted because different composers that I worked with they they like they like me on this particular mic. Yeah. And and so when one came up here, a vintage one, I was like, <gasps> so I got really excited. I showed Danielle like I, I stuck the picture of it up on the monitor. I'm like, it doesn't look good. Like. <laughs> Ah, and, and it did look good yeah yeah exactly so i was like all right i'm gonna try and do this so like it's it was on an auction and i waited to the last like two minutes and then i bid and then i was oh, like oh, i hope nobody else gets this <laughs> like, and you got it that's exciting i did, I did it's an extra it. exciting way to acquire it and i love that it's vintage this is all yes. very fun yes um well it's interesting i, I actually kind of hate acquiring things that way because I'm always, yeah, it's so stressful. It's like, but what if I don't get it? Like, or, you know, or what if, you know, some other person is, is, is going to be like, just up the price of it because they can or whatever. And like, cause they know I really want it. Exactly. Which is why I had to wait. Oh, I hate bartering. Uh, I hate it. I hate I'll, it. I'll barter up against myself. I just get so frazzled. Well, I, like, I actually did that. Wait, 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 I, I, I ended up like putting in two bids and I was like, crap. <laughs> yeah but yep anyway, it was okay it was only 10 i'm upping myself oh no yeah exactly <laughs> like well they know i really want it now 
that's not positive. Yeah, exactly. That. That's not, no, you can just no. Positive. You'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But um, but I'm excited to record with it just because like I did a mic tasting several years ago uh, when I was first looking for for a good mic, and it was. What is a mic tasting? It's where you go to an audio shop or store somewhere and they in in a booth they'll set up all of the mics for you to sing on and it's like a wine tasting yeah yeah a mic yeah tasting tasting, tasting you did yeah. say tasting that's, i mean that's no. what that's what they said to me they're like yeah, yeah no. come in and do a mic tasting and i'm like okay yeah exactly but don't actually <laughs> lick the microphone they really don't like it when you do that <laughs> like, i don't know from personal Ew. experience i've just heard so um, yeah gross uh so yeah i did a mic tasting at blue and i'm i have a couple of blue mics mostly because you know they're very user-friendly and they're easy and portable and they're pretty hardy yeah um and you know for 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 simple things like they do the job but like i tried i tried upwards of i think i tried one mic that was like sixteen thousand, and I, I tried a bunch of mics and I didn't I didn't like any of them. Like yeah. I was just like sorry, you know, I'm like I know you did all this whole way, this whole tasting thing for me and and I did <laughs> none of it's very good. So I'm sure that they're great. For some people they work really great, but for and me it's just the whole thing, you know, microphones are for different purposes and you know that the microphones that you didn't like were probably for those hard rock and roller people that are screaming in the mic and it sounds great for them, you know. Yeah, what didn't you like about them, Rachel? Um, I mean, so I, when I went, because again, this was many years ago, I, I sang the last phrase from Touquet Dijel um, over and over and over again. Now, granted, it's not going to be exactly the same every time you do it, but you have to sort of stand in front of the mic and go kind of head on in each one i what i really wanted them to do because i i got there and, I, and they had it sort of set up in a semicircle around the room and i'm like isn't there some way you could just like have all of them right in front of me <laughs> so that i can sing one time into all of them because that's when i can actually compare the sound mm. like because every time i do it it's going to be a little bit different and and so I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to compare the mics. Like I'll be able to compare my performance, but not the mics. And that's right. what I'm there to do. But they were like, "Sorry, we can't. We, it doesn't work that way." Which makes sense, you know. You kind of have to be in front of it and blah blah blah. But um, but so I I did that. And what I didn't really like was that they there wasn't enough presence in the sound. Like it didn't have that sense of. Um, like it was close, but not intimate, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, and, mm. and there has to be an intimacy in the sound in order for it to feel real and live. Mm. And, mm. and that was, yeah, that was kind of my experience with that. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You got that opportunity. Yeah. Stumbling in the dark for a lot of their career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was cool. And then I went back there and I actually got a KM85i, which is um, a little uh, condenser diaphragm mic, like a little tiny one, like it was really cute. And uh, it's from and three thousand yeah, dollars. It was not. It was not that much. Oh. Um, 
but I did try another one that I really liked that was a lot more, but I didn't, get, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. <laughs> but, um, but that one, one day, no. Yeah. Yeah. One day, one day you're going to walk in here with the microphones as far as the eye can see. No. Yeah. <laughs> they do hold their value. If you, if that's <clears> they do. I, they do. And that's what we have to tell ourselves. <laughs> How long have you had mic envy, Rachel? This is, sounds like it's been going on for years. Oh, with this particular microphone? Oh, I don't know. Just with microphones in general. I, oh. I, I don't um, know. I think it's, I think it's great. <laughs> you're into that. I always thought you hated tech of all kinds. Oh. You're like mic tasting and stuff. <laughs> How much did the mic tasting cost, by the way? Uh, that was free. Oh. Yeah, they did that for me for free. I, I don't know. I can't nice. remember what I had done, but someone I did I you I, have I a connection or someone. yeah? And they then okay. They, I was gonna like, say hey, you should come try these, and I'm like okay. Well, nice. I think it probably comes from my dad because my dad oh. is an engineer, and so there's mm. there's a part of me that loves engineered sort of interests and dorkiness in the best way. I mean that in the, as complete compliment. Like, <laughs> I've experienced it with your dad a little bit, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that it comes from there. But as far as my actual knowledge <laughs> and, you know, there's just, a, there's just a lot of gaps. You know, it's kind of like learning a language and you're like, oh, I don't know the word is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like something like that. So. Only help. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a certain language as well when you start to understand things and, and it helps the engineer if you have the vocabulary. Totally. To wetness. Totally. Wetness. Well, you know, so it's interesting, Danielle, we can talk about this if you want to, if you don't want to, I totally get it. But most engineers that I've known in my life have been mm -hmm. male. Yes. And, um, that is and still I, the truth. That's still the truth, right? Like it's yeah. it's predominantly a very kind of left-brained, um, which isn't necessarily masculine, but yeah. I think like a lot of men. I don't want to step in it. I'm going to step in it. You know, I'm, I am. <laughs> it's going to happen. But like, okay, have my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, um, you know, like for example, when I was in New York and I was studying opera. My one of my best friends is a girl who was studying chemical engineering at um, Columbia, and she was mm -hmm. like, "Rachel, I'm not only am I the only woman, I'm the only like American woman." She said, "You know, it is mostly people from Asia and India, like, and it's mostly men." And she's like, "And most of them don't shower." But anyway, that was <laughs> like, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. It's terrible. <laughs> apparently, it's true. Apparently, it's true. Um, but like, you know, when you get I should just stop, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Stinky. Yeah. Was, anyway. oh, oh, I thought you were like trying to signal me, like, Rachel, no. Digging <laughs> <laughs> the hole. <clears throat> no. But I feel like, you know, there are people who we get lost in our worlds, right? Whatever that world is. And it's very easy to kind of get tunnel vision, whatever your world is. Um, mm -hmm. And like, and so as, as coming back onto topic, um, how has that journey been for you, Danielle, as a woman in a predominantly male, um, like job and profession and yeah. It's a very complex question to answer. I imagine uh, so. Yes. Yes. Something I that I have funny. been living with for a very long time, for decades. Um, you know, I have a lot of personal feelings as to why 
there aren't as many women in this industry. Um, I think it's just one of those weird things where it's just a lot of nerdy men who dominate it. And the women who come in with like wanting more other things, creativity and don't care as much as the technical stuff, um, they kind of get pushed out. Um, and I feel like, I feel like it also kind of stems from like down to the very beginnings of like, kid, you know, boys are kind of, I mean, this was my experience growing up in the nineties as a kid. Um, you know, I would go to the store and it would be, here's a pink doll and an easy bake oven. And then there's a computer whiz kid floppy disk for the boys. And I feel like young women like aren't really pushed into coding. They're not really pushed into technology. They're pushed into other things. And I have no problem with, you know, girls or boys playing with dolls and things like that. Um, but I feel like that's, that's probably a huge part of why not more women are in this sort of side of things and there's not as many women in IT and coding. I don't think it's that women are naturally push, you know, they don't naturally gravitate to more like to lesser science or technology. I think women have been proven to be very capable and very smart in this side of things. And it's been very true for the women that I've worked with. Um, I've never felt that they were less competent naturally than the men. Um, and I didn't think that they were any less female for liking this sort of things. I certainly don't feel that way myself. Um, I think it's just something that like from a young age, you're kind of pushed away from technology as a woman. Um, and also it is a boys club. Um, I wish it wasn't that way. And we're making changes to kind of push away from that. Um, but it definitely is like the nerdy boys club where it's sort of like, you know, women are kind of, even if invited, don't necessarily want to join because <laughs> uh, they're kind of like, oh, this is weird. Um, but yeah, like I said, there are, there is more female representation happening. Um, but I still have been many a time when I used to record ADR more um, with clients, I would get a lot more people who they would say, this is the first time I've ever worked with a woman in audio. Um, that happened like every day <laughs> and it wasn't like a sad thing to hear necessarily but i'm like well i'm glad that i'm your first I'm, i hope you have more i hope you have more experiences um because there we bring different things to the table we bring a different perspective yeah talking uh, about that what do you feel what do you feel that the that the women in the audio <clears throat> world are bringing to the table that's that's unique well we hear frequencies differently I mean, we our oh, ears are talk about that. That's fascinating. We hear different frequencies, and oftentimes, um, especially when you get older, the women kind of hold on to the higher frequencies longer than men. There's been a lot of mixes I've sat in with male mixers, and they can't hear things that I'm hearing. I'm like, do you hear that high pitched frequency that's screaming out? <laughs> they're like, no. I'm like, okay, well, let's snap, slap a filter on that. Um, and that can men can also hear that when they're younger as well, but women just have different sensitivities and working with different female mixers, they have different sensitivities to music. They have different sensitivities to story. Um, and they bring a fresh perspective to, to whatever storytelling they're doing. And a lot of women are more gentle as well, like within the recording side of things. Um, I've actually had people that requested me because I was a woman, because I was more gentle with them. I was more nurturing with them in the booth. Um, and that's not to say that men are harsh or mean, but sometimes people feel more like they need a mothering, sort of a more nurturing mother in the booth to help them with their performance, if, especially if they're not feeling confident. Um, I would imagine that's especially true yes. with actors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
um, you know, actors, you especially with ADR, they're have, not comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, they, they get frazzled and then when they get frazzled, they tailspin and then they can't read their lines and they get freaked out. And sometimes having a-, like, a I'm staring at foam, what do I do? <laughs> exactly. And there are some gentlemen, I don't mean to like, and like, I think I'm trying to push, I'm pushing more women and men together. Like there are some really gentlemen who are fantastic. Um, but, you know, women sometimes more naturally bring a certain side to audio more naturally that is softer and gentler and sometimes just a different kind of creativity. Yeah, I was, I actually wanted to, I was thinking about Rachel's comment about it being fairly left brained and I don't know much about audio engineering at all, but I would imagine that the, the hearing element of it um, is probably right brained actually, right? Like the, the oral capability of like what's going into your ear and how you're processing that in your brain. Um, and maybe that that's different for men and women just because men's and women's brains are different. Right. And I mean, but, this kind of goes hand in hand with like even the Black Lives Movement, not to bring politics into this, but there's that kind of conversation to be had when you add more diversity into anything you're doing, you get more diverse results and you get different perspectives and you get fresher material and fresher art. Um, and that's why like a, a lot of the music movies and music that we cherish of yesteryear, it kind of sounds very similar. The mixes sound very similar often because it's all white men. And that's mm. not a bad thing. We cherish a lot of these films and these, this music, but it's kind of coming from the same teachers and the same, you know, like he passed it down to him and they all hear the same way and they all kind of have the same perspective because it's almost like a school of thought. Um, when you bring more diversity into anything that you're doing, especially in film and music, you're gonna have people, if you bring in diversity, that are going to say, well, why is it that way? Why can't we do it this way? I'm not naturally inclined to mix it that way. I'm not naturally inclined to make this music sound that way. Um, and you just get a different, you know, it's not even just that it's women, it's all groups of people. So could you tell us, could you give us examples of, um... Well, I mean, I'm just trying to think because I know so little about how the industry works, but like movies that were more mixed by a female team or by a lead female, something like movie soundtrack kind of thing or yeah. movies in general, like there's quite a I'd just be interested to that are, and I can't, I'm trying to dance around it because I can't talk a lot about the stuff that happens here, but um I haven't worked on very many all-female teams because there just aren't enough females to create an all-female team. Um, but oftentimes um, I'll be in a mix with women that are there and they do bring up different things. They do listen to different things and have different perspectives. They'll just be like, oh, you know, why don't we try this? And something that I'm like, well, I don't, I don't think that that would have been something that would have been brought up in an all-male mix. Um, I love the idea to or the example that you gave of sitting with <clears throat> sitting with a man doing doing editing you know editing with with a male engineer and yeah. you're able to jump in and say can you hear this and the answer is no like yeah. i love that idea because to me like bringing bringing the female voice into the room on equal ground means that you're finally getting to hear something in stereo Mm -hmm. Ooh. you know like that's what i and i, yeah, I absolutely and, you know, and, and we're I mean, as humans built differently i mean like you said like we can hear different frequencies but it doesn't just equal i can hear a certain higher frequency it's that my perception of frequencies is different women evolutionarily 
hear babies crying a lot better than men do. Um, they hear I, can, I can attest to that <laughs> right right <laughs> and, now. <laughs> you know, like men hear different things elevated at di- you know in different frequencies than we do as well. And so sometimes a female mixer might want to favor a certain EQ or, or a certain sort of you know saturation on different um, pieces of their music or pieces of their film score and um, and also like different reverbs like things hit people's ears differently um, and so they might mix it in a way that's just a lot more interesting to listen to because it's not the same mix that you've been hearing since the dawn of film sound <laughs> or music. Yeah that actually begs the question for me if there's a sort of a cross-cultural divide with um, understanding sounds and like we have western music that we think is like the music that everyone listens to in the world and it's just not true i mean you can probably hear it everywhere but you know then we have like indian music classical Mm -hmm. indian music which is completely different right and i just wonder yeah audio engineers over there probably also have a different palette or a different aesthetic that they're working with as they're judging sounds Absolutely. And filmmaking is different there as well. You know, Bollywood is different from Hollywood and different from, you know, Russian filmmaking and their sound scores are going to be different there because that's just culturally, it's going to have a different style. And I would hate, and I would hate to lose that, you know, right. Yeah, because, absolutely. and not that, not that there's any threat of it, but, but I think the thing that makes it one of the things that makes it beautiful is that it is unique to a time and a place and the people that are involved in it. And I think that, that there is room for the expansion, right? Like to bring in sort of new voices and um, different cultures. Like I often think about the human voice and how I love it when I hear a singer, like when I first moved here, I was like, all right, I want, I want to hear, I want to hear voices from here. Like I want to hear Maori. I want to hear someone. I want to hear voices that are unique to this place because they are going to have, you know, unique stories to tell and unique sounds just, you know, by the sheer, just how we're built because we're all built a little bit differently. And, you know, it's just the instruments are different because, because of that. So yeah. 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 Variety is the spice of life, as it were. Like I, I am a pianist and I love the piano, but I also love discovering new instruments I've never heard of. It adds just, diversity of your life is, it enriches your life. Absolutely. Oh no, I saw something recently. I was, I don't know, where was I? I think I was at a museum somewhere and I saw an instrument that I'd never seen. I'm like, oh no, I was at a thrift store. No, an antique store. It was an antique store and it had these, this crazy awesome African marimba and I'm like oh, can I pull it out and play it I'm like <laughs> are they gonna let me <laughs> like because I wanted yeah. to hear like you know with these cool sort of I don't even know what they were like these cool seed pods on the bottom of them that, that created just a really unique kind of you know hollowed out log sound which is yeah. totally different than than what a modern marimba sounds like ah. just, I love just, just yeah isn't it fun being a music dork it's great <laughs> it is it is yeah cool so what are some of your favorite sounds danielle my favorite sounds yeah 
Is that what too general? That? Like musically or film or what do you mean? Any like, of the above. Like, do you have any claps? that are just like music to your ears? <laughs> like you, yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe this, this question is too general and you're like, what do I do with this? And if that's the case, then don't worry. <laughs> no, I'm just um, well, my go-to listening, like I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but if I'm listening to music, sometimes you need that reprieve. Um, usually I, I do listen to classical because it kind of soothes me. I grew up on it. Um, I like stuff that contains a lot of like real instrumentation. Um, I like, you know, digital music. It has its place and, you know, but um, yeah, usually my, my go-tos are like folksy type music that has a lot of real instrumentation and that kind of stuff in classical. Um, film, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the big action sound scores that are explosion. Like I said, sometimes you just want that escapism. You want to watch things get blown up. But to work on, I find some of the more indie stuff to be more a little more experimental and that can be a lot more rewarding hmm. uh, it's not the cookie cutter ad explosion here um, oh my gosh i get so tired of hearing like <laughs> tremolo strings <laughs> <laughs> yeah and drop the drone <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> enter usual trailer sounds yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and like i said like i hate to hate on i mean i don't want to be a scorsese and say i hate marvel films that's the bread and butter of what we do here but um and they do have a place and a time and they're fun but as far as like what i would choose to work on it would it would be the indies that are more experimental more fun. do you have that type there as well we do yeah okay cool yeah. Well, it's so fun. Like probably one of my favorite recording experiences is when I did my first album. And I don't know if I've shared this story with you guys, but like I was working with my, my favorite teacher from college and, and he's German and, and a composer. And he said, Rachel, come, will you please put your foot on this pedal? And so I came over to the piano and put my, he's like, and hold this bag of rice right here. So I held this bag of rice and I put my foot on the pedal and he's like, okay. And then he played something, but he didn't actually play. Like that was, you know, it was the sound that that pressing down, even though it was already, you know, you, it was the reverberation that you were hearing from the strings because yeah. it was a prepared piano piece. So, um, yeah, I, I, I love those kinds of experiences where it's like, you know, but this is music. Yeah. Just making something new and you're putting together things that otherwise you would never hear and what what could it be yeah and yeah it's kind of like um i did not work on this film uh but the the film arrival if you remember that yeah, alien it's a great movie mm -hmm. yeah i like that movie a lot um i remember listening to the score and it was just so interesting and so different and it wasn't the sort of you know usual sciencey film that you throw in you know um, and so I was like, I have to figure out how they did some of these things. They were taking like cello strings and scratching them and, you know, they weren't playing them the usual way and that oh. kind of stuff is, it's, it, it keeps your ears sort of more like, wait, what was I hearing? What is that? And you kind of like, not to take focus away from the, the story, but it adds that a sort of alien-esque dimension um, that kind of helps the film score. Um, yeah. The story along, you know. Yeah, I love yeah. cool cool well, that's awesome i feel like 
we could talk about all kinds of other things that there was, I did, I did have an experience yesterday that I thought could be cool to chat for just a moment um, or a couple of days ago. I can't remember. But um, I had a friend who sent out a cello sonata mm-hmm. and it was Rachmaninoff cello sonata, third movement. And um, I'm not sure if he made more than one, <laughs> but, um, but I was listening to it and it was, it was a recording that was made recently. And as I started to hear the musicians and I was like, oh, this is a gorgeous piece, but I have to hear it by someone else. Like, and it wasn't that they weren't playing well, like it was beautiful what they were doing, but there was something about it that didn't feel like Rachmaninoff to me. Hmm. And so I searched online and I was like, okay, Yo-Yo Ma and Emmanuel Axe. I'm like, yep, click. (laughs) And then I listened to that and like immediately there was just a moment from the very first impression of the piano there I was like, okay, this is different. There's a certain kind of weight. There's a certain, and maybe it, maybe that's my ears being attuned to the performances of the eighties and nineties and two thousands that like appreciates a certain kind of playing, um, you know, microphones. Yeah. Or maybe it's the microphones they were using. I mean, that was a live performance that I was hearing versus one that was a live, um, in a studio recording mm-hmm. that, um, that these musicians of today were, were doing, but I don't know. I, I think it's, it's interesting to think about what are the, you know, what are the things that, that we are sensitive to and why, you know, and, and what is, yeah, I don't know. It's just something I've been thinking about. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of, um, I used to do, I used to record auditions for people on occasion. Mm. Um, oftentimes they would come in and they kind of begrudgingly like, oh, I have to pay money to do an audition. And um, oftentimes they would say, the only reason I'm here is because I just don't understand how to make it sound professional at home. And anything I can do to put myself, make myself more competitive, I'm going to do it. Um, and so they would, that, would, that would be the usual question. How do I make it sound like it sounds in here? And my answer was always like, you can't. <laughs> You're in a studio. You're in a studio that was built for this. Um, not to discourage people for home recordings, but that kind of goes hand in hand with like, why was it you were drawn to Yo-Yo Ma? Well, you were recorded in a studio. You were recorded with controlled, you know, different, tu- probably tube preamps and you know, microphones and things like that. And that's something that it's good for you to listen to those and go, that's what I want to emulate. Cause then you can start to experiment or do research to see how you can get closer to that sound. Mm. Uh, but that's why people who are like used to the Abbey Road sounding room, they book at Abbey Road. They don't try to emulate Abbey Road at Capitol. You know, they, they book it at Abbey Road cause that's that sound. Um, huh. Yeah. There's something, something, something to be said of, why is it that you like that specific composer or that specific style in that sort of era? Um, a lot of it goes into like the sort of what was popular at that time as far as microphones and preamps and, you know, that kind of thing. Huh. So also, cool. you know, your mom is, he's a fantastic celloist. So yeah, and I know, right? I know his, his, holding cello and his <laughs> skills. Well, what was interesting, actually, that one was live. Like it was a live recorded. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what was being used, but, um, but it's, I kind of wanted to send you guys both links 
<clears throat> links to both of these performances and see what you think and we can totally nerd out on it and that would be fun okay cool. i'm down okay cool. i was down yeah i know right <laughs> i know people used to laugh about him he used to say like oh he's just a melody guy and i'm like him hey, in you know yeah <laughs> don't we all wish that we could be a melody guy like that guy you know yeah so <laughs> anyway yeah yes. well thanks guys for, for doing yeah. this it was fun any last questions or thoughts or anything anybody thank you yeah awesome. in on the technical stuff i know it's boring it's no boring. it's great <laughs> it's great and it's necessary and honestly danny like the reason why when we were chatting i'm like oh she's the perfect person to talk to about this <laughs> because you are relatable you're very relatable you don't like sometimes when i <laughs> talk to my composer friends and engineers like it all just becomes like it starts to sound like the wah, 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 wah. you know like yeah i'm like in yeah. peanuts and i'm like i don't know what you're saying yep. you know but yep. like even though we're talking about you know certain things that, that are somewhat unfamiliar you unpack them in a way because <laughs> you're able to recognize the journey that yeah and i think i'm also so bored by technical stuff it's funny because i'm in a technical world but i'm i'm actually not i i don't read the technical creative. journals yeah. you know I, I this is i i do geek out about stuff i do nerd out for sure but it's not something that i dream about i'm not going i wish i could plug this into that i mean it's just not something that <laughs> i care about like some people do there's a problem. coded whatever and then but, i have that sound <laughs> but the i'm not <laughs> painting gear against gear again it's just not something that I, I care about. so I feel like I'm very sensitive to that when people ask me technical questions because I'm like I'm about to get bored myself so hang on <laughs> <laughs> and I'm funny. trying not to fall asleep while I explain this so <laughs> yeah it's great it's really great hanging in there and really informative like helping me sort of on a large sort of from you know bird's eye view kind of thinking about okay how how will this feel? How do I create that feeling? And that's, that's super helpful. Yeah. So trial and error. That's, that's, that's everything within a home studio. Yeah. Yeah. It's like practice. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Start from a far distance away from your microphone, get closer, try different amps, try different microphones, try putting clothes behind you in a closet. Try it, you know, just try anything. Font, to wig. Yeah. Put on a wig, put on a Victorian Yes. Yes. And no one will look at you strangely. <laughs> no one else is in the closet with you. <laughs> I'll just be in here. Don't mind me. <laughs> might help your opera performance. I don't know. It might. Oh, hello. <laughs> it does. Corsets are amazing. Oh, well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At times. Yes, yes. All We've right. been in sweats for so long, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> totally. All right, awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Um, we'll send this over to you. You can have a listen. And yep. if there's anything that you're like, oh, I don't want that, then just let me know. That side of things. Um, because the way I would engineer it would be completely different from a home setup. Um, yeah i'd have to look at your setup more intimately to understand what you're experiencing yes so what i do rachel because i teach a lot of lessons online 
not all of them, but unfortunately I do feel like I need to kind of move to that. I don't know with everybody going back to school and ooh, I don't really want them coming into my house. You need, you need to. Yeah. But, um, what I do now is I will play the exercise, demonstrate it, and then just have them do it acapella. And it's really actually pretty good for their ear training too, to have to just remember and not have it there along with them the whole time that they're singing. Um, and then they have to have a track from somewhere that they use as accompaniment on their side as well, so that I can listen to both of those things coming through to me at the same time. I can't, I can't play for them. I can't make noise on my end if I want to hear them. And I, I do use FaceTime for some of my students who have FaceTime, um, but I use mostly Zoom. So I do like FaceTime a little bit better because what I find with Zoom, and maybe Danielle, maybe you know why this happens, but uh, it will just cut out. The sound will just cut out. I'm not making any noise. I'm not putting anything through it, but it just like will kind of come and go a little bit. That doesn't seem to happen on FaceTime at all. The sound is much yeah. better. Zoom, because it's meant for like conference, it was built for like conferencing. It basically yeah. has like, if you're not making sound um, actively, it mutes you. Um, and it will only open whomever is on there. There's actually a setting in Zoom for that. So if you go to Zoom preferences, I believe, if you go to audio, there's a thing that's called um something in here where it basically states if you are like you can basically state like i don't want it to mute me um when i'm not talking and everything well this is the weird thing is it happens while the person is singing like in the middle of a scale or you know what i mean that it'll just kind of start cutting out interesting yeah yeah it could be something to do with internet connection, just however they, however that app works. Um, it may not be as secure as FaceTime. Um, yeah. Well, I know Apple's known for just building in a lot of, um, what's it called, cohesion or compatibility between their own yeah. devices. So there may not be that same seamlessness across yeah. Android slash PC stuff. Oh, um, yeah what what zoom will do too like what it's been doing with us is like how you're saying like if they're talking and it'll cut out sometimes if there's a noise that triggers another person even if they're just not saying anything maybe they like move their phone or like click a pen um that sound will often trigger that person mm -hmm. to start talking, so it will cut that person out yeah there's, like um there's i believe some sort of a um, setting in Zoom where you're saying like just keep all the microphones open because I know in Google Meet which is free that's the one that we use here now for the stages um, because it doesn't cut anybody out you have to mute yourself it takes hmm. a little more work because you're muting and unmuting and you know you can get a lot of echo if someone leaves their open hey John turn it off you know um, but that way you're not getting that cut in and out it's just sort of like it's open unless you mute yourself hmm. uh, so Google Meet might be a better option for voice hmm. because you okay. could play piano. You would have to be careful. You'd probably want to wear headphones during your lessons just so you don't get that echo out of your speaker, which can cause a feedback loop that kind of where kind of just like it's the sound gets so loud and screaming. Hmm. Um, you get that if you have like a speaker next to your microphone. Because basically what it's doing is it's playing your speaker is feeding your microphone which is feeding your speaker which is feeding your microphone and it just creates this loop 
that kind of, uh, that's like if you're at a, if you have like an event and you're talking in a microphone and you move your microphone, it goes, Wee! that sound. Yeah. Yeah. Feedback. Uh-huh. So that's the microphones, the sound of the room tone of your microphone feeding, coming out the speaker, going back into the microphone, going out, you know, that loop. Yeah. Hmm. Builds with the different harmonics of the room. Sound. Um, so that's kind of the, the deal with that. You'd want to put on headphones so you can play your piano in the room, you know what I mean? And they'll hear that and they can sing with that. But if you're playing and then you're also hearing the piano in their room coming back to you, it, it could create this weird echo. Uh, um, yeah. It could work. It could work if both of you had headphones on. You know? huh. I don't know how that would impede your singing. I'm not sure. Uh, in some ways, it's better because you can't listen when you're talking. And I feel like you can't listen when you're playing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, how many times have I had a coaching where I, because most music is really complicated. You know, it's like I bring in these Debussy pieces and they're like, <laughs> you know, and like, and, and they're like, could you say that schwa a little less pronounced, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, really? That's what we're going to work on? Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh. um, because, because you can't really listen and play at the same time. I agree. It is way harder. It depends on the song, though. I, I do a lot of music theater where sure, it's actually possible. Cool. Yeah. If you, got, you know, if you're just like doing guitar chords or whatever, like you're going to be all right, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I do, though. You can figure out with um, your, because you can, so you can actually set your, in your preferences, you can set the microphones and interfaces that you use. So there is the potential that you could actually have a focus right or something where you're hooking up your um, keyboard as well as a microphone. There you go. You can hook it up so that the sound of the keyboard is that? clear. The sound of the keyboard is clear and the sound of the voice is clear. That could help cut down on that. Huh. that your student has, you know, a cheap interface that they can use um, or at least a USB mic, which isn't great but it's better than something out of the computer yeah that'll help with you being able to hear the intricacies and whatever they're singing i did actually watch like in the beginning when things were crazy in march and everything was getting canceled and going online i did watch a zoom tutorial for it was for classical music lessons, but he was more dealing with instrumentalists i think he was a trumpeter i think but i did set some of my like I, um, I, I did alter some of my settings so that it wouldn't do certain things. I would get technical with you, but you know, I'd be afraid that you wouldn't understand. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't remember at all what I did, but I just followed the instructions that were in the video. I pressed the buttons and I, I changed <laughs> levels. <laughs> exactly. And moved I, the arrow up or down. <laughs> levels, yes. Levels sounds right. Yes. <laughs> Oh, ladies, this is great fun. Great fun. Oh, my yes. gosh.